0: All right, in this episode, I'm going to frame the problem around why this concept of a citizen owner, just ownership, um, is a preferred model for humanity. So in the previous episode, I said, the combination of um, high growth with uh, well-defined or sort of feedback loop defined personas uh, really impacts humanity. And so having a firm construct of what that is uh, really has some important uh, repercussions when designing uh, the company and the product, its go-to-market, and so forth. And so I said I feel like one is the citizen-owner, and this is in contrast with serfdom. So the problem statement is, you know, most people are serfs and not owners. And there's a set of problems that they experience both individually and as a society. So first of all, what do I mean by serfdom? So if you look back at sort of your, you know, high school studies in the middle ages, they were essentially the workers who worked the fields owned by the, the landowners, and if you think about that, it simply means you are providing work. Maybe you are a consumer who's consuming what's come off of that, but you're primarily a worker on that, and all of the you know efforts and the value creation you know accrue to the owners. In modern times, those owners are the investors. They can be venture capitalists, or they can be people who just have bought huge numbers of of shares. Um, Uh, Or they're the um, owners who either um, own, say, land or companies that they've either founded or or passed on to them. So what are the quick sort of primary issues of too many people being surfed, surfed? Now, not everybody can be an owner. There's probably some limitation to that. But I think if we pose the is how do I extend the ownership as easily as possible to as many people as possible Uh, I think that that starts to uh, raise what the goal is and we see the problems when there are more people who are serfs than their owner like like disproportionately. So first, there's uh, fewer opportunities for wealth creation. So there's just an economic downside for a vast majority of people. And uh, I think we're seeing a lot of that show up in terms of not just poverty, but just sort of the declining middle class, the strains at work. Uh, There's a lot of just just problems with the SURF model in terms of wealth creation. The second one related to that is lower engagement. People just aren't going to be engaged with the work or with uh, society at large when they are, don't feel a sense of ownership. So you can see it in certain neighborhoods where people are all renters, or you can see uh, just within the way people treat their home if they're a renter versus they're an owner. And that lower engagement, I think, is detrimental for themselves, but they don't see how engagement re- results in uh, value that returns to them, but also the surrounding um, the neighborhood or the broader broader collective property. And then the last one is when you don 't provide people a sense of ownership, you really suck out innovation and drive those who actually have talent and have the drive, if they don 't feel that it 's going to be a return they 're not going to apply themselves, and we all lose out as a society, but so do the companies, and so do the properties if people aren 't going to be rewarded with that innovation and drive so the problem, however, is almost there's just there's a concentration of owners and it 's very, very small. But most people are are serfs, and the digital economy really illustrates that. If you think about it, it's the vast number of people are either consumers, and then maybe a smaller um, number from that, but but still fairly large, um, is those who work for these tech companies. And then in the small little center of the bullseye are the investors and the founders or the inheritors of these you know digital businesses. And while I understand that stock options are a way and they are a way that they benefit some of those tech workers, I I think that there's still some limits to even that form factor. And I think this is a time for us to extend the benefits of ownership more, more broadly. And so why do I think that there's some benefits for it? So first, it's fairly clear what the benefits are to those who are owners, And um, and then we can kind of look at and see if there's some benefits sort of more more broadly. So uh, the benefit is that it's something that's just economically productive. If you own something, the ownership of that, whether it's land, which allows you to farm and then sell crops, or a home, which allows you to rent, or stock, which allows you to earn dividends, there's some economic productivity uh, to that form of ownership. The second one is wealth creation, which is if you actually sell the entire asset, the farm, the home, the stock, to someone else who values it even more, then you generate potentially a meaningful amount of wealth. And so uh, those that don't have that will not have that wealth uh, available to solve maybe some broader uh, issues where there's not enough um, wealth or income. The, The third benefit is a sense of governance a sense of maybe not control but that they're related is a sense of being able to shape the outcome of that which you're participating in so same with you know land you have some governance and control over land if you own your home or property you can make decisions that affect that if you own stock you have some voting rights you could say that they're fairly diluted in some most cases but but still you have some form of governance um, and and I think that that is a valuable benefit for for the owner. And then one could possibly make the case that as long as those people are informed and engaged, that, that could be a benefit for the um, entity. The other status that benefit when we extend ownership to those who are owners is a sense of, of status and um, that That is something that some people will try to achieve status through not owning things when they're not able to own things or when they have an overabundance of ownership and things and then it doesn't matter. But but I'll, I'll take the first case. is many Many folks who aren't able to truly achieve ownership may seek those psychic benefits of status through buying things which don't convey those benefits of ownership. So a good example would be designer handbags. Owning a designer handbag, if you sell it, Maybe or maybe not, you might be able to generate meaningful wealth. It's definitely not economically productive, and there isn't any kind of governance or real, I don't know, sense of control involved with it. Um, I, I think we start to get at the societal impacts when we start thinking about how do we extend ownership to as broad a number of people as possible in an easy and understandable fashion when it comes to legitimacy and mindset. So legitimacy, we can more see it more clearly when it comes to um, real estate and home ownership. Uh, If you look at different communities throughout history that have been uh, deprived of uh, the ability to own their home or land, they ended up being delegitimized. And so that has a lot of negative effects Definitely for them, but I think for the broader society in the sense of reintegrating them or their sense of participation or alienation. So some historical examples would be like the California Alien Land Law Act of 1913 and the Japanese internment during World War II, which really... um, pulled away ownership and denied a psychic sense of citizenry to this uh, demographic this asian demographic and african americans also have had that same sort of uh, loss of land ownership and homes through a lot of government policies over over history and so you can kind of see neighborhoods where that's occurred um, may be struggling to thrive and and, and, and I think then that psychic impact is also really important in terms of the, the mindset. You now have large segments of the population who don't feel that they can participate in the broader economy and or even the political system. And so now they are really disenfranchised. And someone could argue, yeah, but that just affects them. It doesn't affect me if I'm an owner. But if you look at a neighborhood, if we sort of said you have a choice of living next to a neighborhood where nobody owns the homes and all the businesses are like these multinational chains where every dollar comes in, like 90, 90 cents of it leaves that area altogether, um, versus living next to a neighborhood where everybody's a homeowner and every business is a locally owned business. the The atmospherics of those will be different. And there will be a preference, obviously, for the the second one rather than the first one, and so I think that that uh, mindset shift um, is is actually an important one. We can't discount it because ultimately uh, the negative value will be sort of priced into the broader you know market unless you're really able to like segregate yourself from from all of that. Um, so the question is then, okay, how can we solve this? This this distribution of land and property super hard to do, really expensive, there's a lot of, you know, locality issues and and uh, governance issues and it's just it would be a really hard problem to solve. Which is why I think if we start reframing the problem around ownership in the digital economy, then I think we can really start to solve some meaningful problems while also delivering value technically. So a lot of the digital ownership has come across with this Web3 and crypto where there's like NFTs and it's proving ownership of artwork or owning digital land in the metaverse. And those are interesting ideas. I, I don't think I'm an expert on any of those, but I think the language of ownership is definitely the right direction in the digital economy. But I'm going to like push through and sort of say, well, if we look at what ownership principles are, then maybe we can come up with, and a goal of democratizing that, then I think we can come up with a different framing to actually solve the problem that makes sense, at least to me, in terms of extending ownership in the digital economy as broad as possible. So to recap, uh, the problem that I think we want to solve is to reduce serfdom, uh, and so therefore the model of humanity is, is owners, or I actually call them citizen owners, and I'll, Elaborate later what the citizenry part is, but extending ownership broadly. So that's the model of humanity. They're not serfs; they're owners, and there's a number of benefits to them clearly of ownership. But it's very difficult to achieve that now when we use conventional concepts, uh, particularly around land, but even even to business. Even though there's some opportunities with that. And if we apply the ownership mindset to the digital economy, I think some very interesting things can happen. I know the language and um, ethos has started when talking about NFTs and the metaverse. But I think we can drill a little bit more deeply into what makes great ownership, like what's a great form factor, what are ownership principles. And then we can emerge from that is like, okay, what makes sense to actually solve this problem? All right. Thanks much for listening.